Would you like me to seduce you? That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he walks in a mine. Why is the rum always Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's a trap! Hey guys, welcome to the Celluloid Fiends podcast. I'm your host, Mo, and you can check me out at cupofmo.com, and you can follow me at Mitchell C. Long on Twitter. And as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host. What's up, Celluloid Fiends? I'm Gabriel Orto. If you want to go ahead to our Facebook page, give us a like, that would be fantastic. And tonight, we're going to be talking about Slapshot. So, I'll let you take it away, Gabe. Alright. Slapshot was a 1990... Uh, not 1990... 1977 film directed by George Roy Hill and written by Nancy Dowd, whose brother also was part of the inspiration for this movie. This movie stars Paul Newman and Michael Ontekin. Does I think I get that right? I'm not a big Twin it's Peaks fan. Ontekin. I'm not a big Twin Peaks fan. Slapshot was released in 1977. It grossed $28 million at the box office, which was big around that time because it it's a, it was an independent movie, basically. It is based off loosely based off of the story of the Johnstown Jets, um, which was a team in the Pittsburgh area that the same situation happened to. It takes place in the fictional town of Charlestown, and a hockey team starts to go under when the mill gets closed. And people don't know what to do. People are losing their jobs. And the hockey team is trying to figure out who's the owner of the team to figure out where they're going to move. And Reggie Dunlop, who's the player coach, he is basically the head guy. So when I was researching this, I couldn't even find any information about the budget. So like you said, this is like a truly indie film, and it didn't fare very well at the box office when it originally came out, which I thought was really interesting. And it was only later on in the film's career that it had sort of a revisionist history. And right now it actually sits at a respectable 83% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got an 89% audience rating. And I think what makes it so successful, uh, to me at least, was the way that it portrayed the 70s so well. And it was, it was like funny, but it was also very downbeat. Uh, and this was this was a Gabe pick, so Gabe, tell us why did you pick this film? Um, growing up up north, this was one of my favorite sports movies. Growing up, it had fighting, it had adult humor, which especially when you're a kid is something that you look for, and it a lot of people love this movie where I grew up. It may not as be be as bigger down south because there's not a lot of hockey. But this movie is just amazing to me. And it set the bar high for other um, sports comedies out there. Like the Mighty Ducks and, and, and so on and so on. And I think 
there was even one scene that the Mighty Ducks kind of emulated from Slapshot. It was like when uh, he goes down and like hits everyone on the head with the stick. Yeah, when he goes down and he's and hits all the players' heads on the benches with his hockey stick. That also happened in Mighty Ducks, which is pretty much like saying, "Hey, we." We appreciate Slapshot because it, Mighty Ducks is basically Slapshot for kids. It's about the ragtag group of hockey players who go on and do something great. And before we watch this, because this was my first time seeing this film, I kind of assumed that it would be something like a more adult-oriented Mighty Ducks. So I expected to enjoy it somewhat, but I didn't expect to enjoy it nearly as much as I did. Uh, and I think part of that is it has a lot more nuance, of course, than the Mighty Ducks. Of course, because the Mighty Ducks is really geared towards kids, whereas this was oriented for adults. Uh, and so, uh, when what was the first time you saw this movie, and has your opinion of it changed since? I get some more of the jokes now because I'm 32 years old now. The first time I watched this movie, I was eight years old. Wow. And that's pretty young to be watching a movie like this, but it was constantly on Comedy Central. And a lot of my friends who played hockey and stuff like that, they they were like, oh, you got to see this movie. It's hilarious. Our parents don't want us to watch it because it's got a lot of swearing and it has nudity in it and blood and violence. So our parents don't want us to watch it. And I'm like, oh, that sounds fantastic. All the things we're not supposed to be watching. And, I mean, those are, I feel like, the hallmarks of the best films. <laughs> that your parents don't want you watching it. Uh, got, gotta have nudity and fighting in it and cursing. Right. It's, it's like the holy trinity of what makes a good movie right there. Of course. Parents are, parents are going to want their kids learning all these new bad words and stuff like that. But I just think it gave me a... a better appreciation of the game of hockey where some people may not know anything about hockey now they kind of appreciate it a little more now this movie takes place in a time where there were less regulations with hockey so there was more fighting um there's no regulation on helmets some of the players aren't wearing helmets and it can get pretty brutal at some points and that's where the violence comes into play and, but I also think it, it kind of brings you down to the roots of hockey because it's, it's a minor league team. This isn't like the New York Rangers or anything like this. It's about a minor league team, just small market team, just people go with eight bucks and then they go watch the hockey game and get drunk with the rest of their work pals. And you mentioned this was inspired by a real world team. Yeah, so it was inspired by the Johnstown Jets, um, who were a hockey team during the 70s, which actually some of the players from the movie were on the on the Johnstown Jets, particularly the Hanson brothers. And um, they... It's basically the same situation happened, except for the ending scene, which, spoiler alert, the guy gets naked and they won the championship. But they basically went on, like, this ragtag run, and they were... A, the mill closed down... And they were a bad team, but then it's basically the, the almost the exact same thing happened, except for the ending scene. There, I'm sure there was a couple other differences, but it's pretty much a, a God's honest story. 
and that ending scene really took me by surprise. I, I did not expect that Michael Antikin's character would get naked like that on the ice. And that was particularly jarring for me just because I've been on a big Twin Peaks kick lately. Mm-hmm. So I just kept picturing him as Chief uh, Harry S. Truman from Twin Peaks. Uh, that did not happen. The other thing that really surprised me about this was the Hanson Bros. Because when they enter the film, they're supposed to be kind of these unassuming characters. And I think when we were watching this, I commented to you, oh, these guys are going to be really good. And your response was something like, yeah, they're they're good, but they're not scoring goals good. Like, they're good. They're, I, the words that came out of my mouth were, is they're good in a bad way. <laughs> And that is so true. So, you probably know more about this than I do. Uh, what were the actual players like? Um, from the from the from the from the real story, uh, for the Hanson Bros. Um, basically, the there are two the two of the um, Hanson brothers from the movie are real brothers, and they're basically their characters. <laughs> um. And then the the only player on the Hanson brothers whose real name is Hanson, he is like the one that is not like the Hanson brothers. He had like a God's the honest hockey career. They all had they all had decent hockey careers, but he was the one that wasn't like a goon. He was he was like a a, a good reputable hockey player. Went and played out and scored goals. But the, the but the Carlson brothers, that's their name in real life. The Carlson brothers. They were just bona fide hockey goons, basically the exact same way they are in the movie. Um, there, there's actually a fourth Hanson brother, but he was actually supposed to play in this movie, but he got called up to the, I think it was the WHA or the NHL, and couldn't be in the movie, so they got um, Dave Hanson who, to, to replace him. And so far, they, because Dave Hanson took over, the, they called it the Hanson brothers, or it used to be called the Carlson brothers. <laughs> That was an interesting change. Yes. And it's kind of funny that they just basically played themselves and they actually were the goon squad. Right. So at what point in the game of hockey did more regulations come into play? Um, basically in the 90s. A lot of people were getting injured. Um, they, they made regulations that made the enforcer less prominent and it made it more of a speed game. And less of a I'm tougher than you type game. And it was was it in the two thousands? There was actually a movie called Goon that came out. Yes, in two thousand eleven, I think there was a movie called Goon, and that that is kind of a callback to the great goons of our time. There was even um, George Larocque was in that movie, who was a famous hockey goon, and. They they made, they actually released a sequel recently called Goon Two: The Last of the Enforcers, and it's basically talking about how the need for just a straight up goon is not really needed anymore, and and how if they have goons on the ice, they're goons that that can, that can skate and score and also fight. And it, those are some those are some of my favorite hockey movies too, honestly. And one thing I really enjoyed about Slapshot was the way that the ploy to get the Charleston fans interested in the team is to just basically turn the entire team into a bunch of goons 
and transform it from a hockey match into more of just a fighting match. And it was almost gladiator style. Right. And I'm sure that's widely exaggerated from how fans would have responded, but I feel like, you know, back in the day, there probably was a pretty large fan response to fighting, and, and fans probably did enjoy that. Oh, fans still enjoy fighting. It just doesn't happen as much as it used to. There's even been incidents where fans have gotten onto the ice and tried to fight the hockey players. There's been incidents where the hockey players have gone in the stands, like in the movie, and gone and fought the fans. And it, it predominantly happened, I think it was in the 80s, the early 80s, on the, the Boston Bruins game, like a player just jumped over the glass and like started attacking fans in the stands. And it was crazy. It was pandemonium. I remember seeing clips of that on YouTube. Jeez, that sounds that sounds kind of rough. Yeah. Uh, I remember even playing some hockey game back in the day, like video game back in the day. And there was actually one mini game during a match when you have to fight and you have to like press A to punch or something like that. Right. I just remember thinking that was really strange and kind of enjoyable. Well, the whole thing with fighting in hockey... It's just more of a regulatory thing because hockey is a full contact sport and it's very easy to just be like, well, I'm going to go hit the star player as hard as I can and no one's going to do anything about it because fighting's not allowed. That's what happens in football sometimes and that's why things get so heated. So say, say someone hits your star player, they send the goon out to go rough them up. And now everybody knows your goon, and they see, oh, I don't want to hit that person because the goon will come out and beat my face in. So that's basically why fighting has been allowed in hockey for years. Is this your favorite hockey movie? This is my favorite hockey movie. With goon running as a close second. Mm. Uh, And this spawned a couple sequels. And you've seen these. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're pretty bad. Oh, they're they're absolutely awful. Why were they made? Um, as this movie started to reach cult status, people wanted to cash in on it, basically. Like, we'll bring back the Canson Brothers, and it's just poop and fart jokes, and it's just... It's bad. It's, like, there's some things that you just... You, they should have never touched it. The way it ended was perfect. There should have been no sequels. And what's even worse is that at the end of Slapshot, also spoiler, the team wins the championship, but the team still goes away. It's still dissolved because the town is basically going to hell. But in the sequels, they bring back the they bring back the Chiefs, the, the Charlestown Chiefs, and there's no explanation on how they came back in the town or what happened. It's just like, oh, we're playing hockey again. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, well, there's no explanation what happened between the first movie and the second movie. And that's one of the things that really made me upset. And I love the Hanson brothers. And they're, they're in all three movies. So I really can't get too mad at them. But the people who wrote these movies is just awful. Like, they misuse the Hanson brothers. By the third one, the Hanson brothers are are at an age where they should not 
like I don't even they didn't even really play hockey in the third one, the Hanson brothers, but like they they're just not like they're misused. <coughs> we can just pretend that those aren't canon. Right, all. right. Uh, and it seems like those deviated completely from one of the many elements that made the first movie so great, which was its nuance. Right. Because it did have some slapstick humor in there. It had some good one-liners. It also had some kind of dark moments. It Things didn't get too dreary, but it definitely had some moments uh, that balanced the drama and the comedy really well. And... Uh, that was one thing that really surprised me about the film. Uh, and I think that makes it so great and led to its eventual legacy. Exactly. Like, the whole thing with Reg Dunlop and his wife basically splitting up. Um, about how how um, the Hanson brothers came into town. How the town's going through trouble. There are valid plot points to this movie. And it's not boo-boo, pee-pee, just... It's not shit on shit on ice, which I've seen a lot of hockey movies, and that, and that's basically what it is. This has a certain nuance to it. It's it makes you interested. It reels you in. It's not just stupid comedy. This isn't this isn't Billy Madison on ice. Oh yeah, thank God Adam Sandler was not in this film. <laughs> so let's talk about how the Hanson Bros came into town. So when uh, when Dunlop goes to pick them up, you're trying to get a quarter out of a drink machine, and then later on when they pull out their toy cars and they have those thing in the hotel room, and then they bring that on the the toy cars on the first road game, and the coach is just like, "You brought your cars," and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're on the road. Got to bring the cars, coach. Ready to go." <laughs> it was just so ridiculous and over the top. But it was hilarious. I I felt like they did a really good job setting up those characters. Because on the one hand, they're really kind of childish and immature. And on the other hand, they're just complete goons. And super violent when they get on the ice. And they don't even try to score. They just try to beat the shit out of people. Well, if you listen to some hockey interviews, you'll you'll find out that some hockey goons... Like, they're, they're not stupid... But they, some of them just got a heart of gold. They just like to fight, or they they had, or that's how they earned their spot on the hockey team. A lot of them are really, really nice people. They're just like, just just hearts of gold type guys. And I, that's how I feel like the Hanson brothers are when they're not fighting on the ice. They're kind of just, they're stupid, but like you can see like the good intent in their eyes. They're very endearing. Yeah. And I, the juxtaposition really worked there, and it was kind of refreshing, because they didn't seem at all like stereotypes or tropes. Right. Uh, so, we're going to take a quick break, all and right. when we come back, we're going to keep talking about Slapshot. All right. Hey, gang, let's play it smart out there tonight. I want to see a lot of work from you guys. Put your heads on the ice out there. Yeah, you got this. We all know how to play hockey. Just play it smart. That's right. You're not Derek Stickle. Fuck him, Christ, pop him. Come on, Cheryl, let's go. Come on. Come on. Let's go now. Hey, guys, we're back, and we're talking about Slapshot. So, 
why does this movie have such a legacy and what helped it have such a revisionist history like it's had? Well, especially up north, um, this film is basically the first great hockey movie. It was funny, it had heart, it had a lot of the game in it, 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 it and it focuses on the game a lot. I think that's why it's really lasted in, in the test of time. And word of mouth, too. People love this movie, tell their friends about it, show their friends this movie, and people, and so on and so on. For me, what I really enjoyed was just, like we kind of touched upon earlier, how well-balanced it is, uh, especially with the storylines of like the uh, relationship problems and how Braden, Michael Antikin's character, and his wife have this very strained relationship, which kind of evolves a bit over the film and kind of gets a little bit better. Uh, as opposed to uh, um, uh, Paul Newman's character, his relationship with his wife, he kind of pines for her the whole movie, even up until the last scene, and it's clear that she doesn't want him back. And how that's kind of juxtaposed with the slapstick comedy and kind of the one-liners. And one part that we didn't really talk a, a lot about but is the search for the owner. Yes. Um, the owner the owner is unknown for most of the movie until you find out at the end that it's just a woman who is looking to write this off basically as a business expense. And that, for me, kind of kept the movie going and added this rather enjoyable and fun sense of mystery because the whole time I was trying to guess who the owner was. And for for a while, I actually thought it was Brayden. I thought it was him. Because he's kind of aloof during the movie and really doesn't appreciate how the team has turned into the goon squad. And so I thought maybe it was him, and then it, it wasn't. So that kind of came out of left field. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that subplot quite a bit. And the sad thing is, is that this is something that happens to hockey teams, like especially minor league hockey teams. Like there are passionate owners out there, but there's some people who just look at it as a novelty expense. Because minor league hockey teams, they like they can be pricey, but not as pricey as, say, owning an NFL team or an NHL team or NBA team. It is basically oh we got we bought this team and now. We can invite all our friends to the games, and we got box seats, and it's basically a business expense. Most of them own bigger corporations, have other interests, and some of these people who do own the hockey teams do have a genuine love for the game. Like, the owner of my favorite hockey team, the Buffalo Sabres, is Terry Pagula, who's like a fracking big billionaire, but he also has a genuine interest in the sport, and that's always good to have. But sometimes it's just sad when an owner just doesn't care about the team and it just ends up like this. And it's just the truth of the game, basically. And I think adding to that, in this film, 
the owner inherited the team from her deceased husband. Yeah, she was a widow, a widow, and she had basically inherited everything from her husband. And when things started to go downhill for the team, her financial advisor said she should just cut her losses and fold the team instead of relocating them to Florida or wherever a hockey team may be needed. She would just, it would be less expensive for her to just cut her losses and fold the team. And she even commented that she disapproved of how the team was playing hockey and wouldn't let her kids watch. Yeah, she said it was quite a barbaric sport. (laughs) Uh, I mean, she did kind of have a bit of a point, but clearly she was not going along with the bandwagon crowd there. Of course not. Do you think there's anywhere this film could improve? Um, Seeing that I hold this movie so close to my heart, the only thing I could say is maybe it's a tad bit long but part of me is also saying saying that we need that length for to explain the story thoroughly but i feel like if they would have taken 10 or 15 minutes off it wouldn't have taken too much of a hit I actually thought it was kind of on the shorter side. I think the runtime was pretty long, but it kept me pretty engaged throughout the whole movie. Uh, the only uh, minor change that I might make is I would have liked to see it explore some of those darker elements in the film, some of those darker subplots, and see where that went. But I also think that would have kind of taken away from some of the comedic areas. Because overall, the film ends on a very positive note. And I think if it got a little more dreary, then it could have ruined that dynamic. Exactly. Because when it really comes down to it, this is a comedy movie. And nothing's worse than walking into a movie that you think is a comedy. And it ends up being something sad. And I can make one big example of that, and that is the movie Click. I have not seen Click. Click is a movie about, once again, Adam Sandler was in, and he goes in the oh, Bed God. Bath & Beyond, and he talks to Christopher Walken, and he gives him a remote that can that can go back and forward with time, with life, and you think it's going to be hilarious. Like, I saw the previous, I'm like, oh, Adam, Adam Sandler back to old form. Like, this is going to be hilarious. And it ends up really being a movie that'll make you cry. Yeah, well, it, was, it was really, really something... Like, no one wants that. I feel like I would cry just because Adam Sandler's in it. Oh, well, we can't, you can't really... Like, we poke fun at Adam Sandler all the time, but you can't totally hate him. He's just a big, lovable goof. And I do... Admittedly, I enjoy a lot of his older stuff. Like, Big Daddy was great. And I just watched a movie... It came out this year, in 2017... It was called The Meyerwitz Stories, <laughs> New and Selected, and Adam Sandler was in it, and I think it was actually the best performance in his entire career. Uh, so, getting back to Slapshot, we talked a little bit earlier about how it inspired that one scene in The Mighty Ducks. Are there any other films or shows that it's inspired? I would say that it's just inspired people how to make hockey movies and how to portray it. Obviously, Goon is something 
that would have taken notes from Slapshot. Um, there was this show on IFC for a while called Benders that kind of took some notes from Slapshot. Um, it's just, it really showed people how to portray hockey in a light that isn't boring. Because some people find hockey boring, let's face facts. I love hockey. I grew up with hockey. There's famous hockey players from my area, but like, say we're in like Georgia, people don't really appreciate the game of hockey as much as people would where I grew up in Rochester, New York. I'm kind of, I guess, a casual hockey fan. I don't follow it. If it's on, I will totally watch it. Uh, it's not a sport like golf that I just can't stomach at all. Uh, I think it's fun. Just don't watch it religiously. One interesting thing about Slapshot, which I didn't know until right before we were recording the episode and I was doing a little bit of background reading, was that there's apparently a novelization. Yes. Have you read it? I have not read the novelization. I, um, Nancy, I think Nancy Dowd wrote the novelization, who's all, who also wrote the movie, whose brother Ned Dowd played for the Johnstown Jets, which was the team that inspired the Charlestown Chiefs from Slapshot. According to the incredibly reliable source of Wikipedia... Oh, incredibly reliable. (laughs) Very. uh, Always our go-to here at Celluloid Fiends. It was Richard Woodley. Really? Yes. And he apparently did the novelization of The Bad News Bears. So was this um, a novelization that was done after the fact the movie was made? It was concurrent. Ah. So it was like 2001 A Space Odyssey, and I think the 1978 film The Legacy also had a concurrent novelization. So around the same time that they were filming the movie. That doesn't surprise me. Some people do do that. They'll make a novel to go along with the movie. But... I have not read the book. I've um, read Dave Hansen's book about his experience with growing up as a hockey player and his experience with the Johnstown Jets. The book is called Original Slapshot, and (laughs) it is a great read. If you're a hockey fan, I suggest it, and I because I enjoy it thoroughly. I mean, I'd be curious just to check that out after watching the movie, and I kind of want to read the novelization just to see how that compares because I'm sure it's similar in a lot of ways but I feel like it also has to be different well that's the case with any novelization of movies there is going to be similarities and there's going to be differences this is quite true so uh, the director George Roy Hill he's been very prolific and he worked on a a lot of films like Funny Farm and The Sting and Butch Cassidy and The Sundance Kid. And this, to me, seemed like a kind of rapid departure from his usual fare. I would say so. But um, it may be the reason why he got Paul Newman to work on this film. Because Paul Newman was in Butch Cassidy and The Sundance Kid. I, going into the film, I didn't realize that Hill directed this. And so later on, I read that on IMDb, and I was like, oh, that's why fucking Paul Newman's in this, because uh, he was just like a go-to. He was one of those actors that... And a, great, and a great actor, by the way. He was fantastic in this movie. And I, I, he was 
a main reason why I think this film is so successful, just because he has genuine enthusiasm. And apparently he commented that working on Slapshot was the most fun he had working on any movie. Which I could see. It looks like a fun film to make. It looks like a lot of people had fun on set. Paul Newman actually got injured on set. Yeah. I remember when we were watching it, you mentioned uh, in that he got hurt in, in the scene when it uh, when we were watching it. So, do you know the full story of that? Um, I know that during the scene where he's antagonizing the goalie, telling the goalie that his wife is a lesbian, that it was supposed to be, it was written that um, he was going to go to the bench and the goalie was going to jump over and, and they were going to fight in the box. And I think that if I may, I may be wrong, but I think that when the goalie jumped over, he either tore something or got very badly cut from a skate. But still had fun making the movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But that but that goes to show you how how it can be if you just if if a movie set is fun it doesn't matter if you get injured if if you know you're going back to a fun set and for the audience you can tell when a cast is enjoying making a film the performances are much more convincing and i think that's one of the reasons i was just cracking up the entire movie and i think in large part it's because you can just tell how much fun Paul Newman and Michael Ontekeen were having when they were making Slapshot. Well, Ontekeen, he actually played Division One hockey in college for the University of New Hampshire. I found this out last week while doing research for this episode. <laughs> but you can just... I don't know how the people on set weren't laughing the whole time with some of the jokes they were making... Like during the fashion show that they're doing, he's like, "I'm gonna go out there and wiggle it at him." I'm a, everybody's gonna be running, for, running for the door except for my wife. Oh, I loved that scene because he actually does go out there, and, show and you it. don't actually, yeah, and you don't actually see. You just hear like everyone screaming, screaming and running <laughs> for the exit, and it was just so well shot. <laughs> like I couldn't be on the set; I wouldn't be able to keep quiet. Like, I'm surprised they got anything done on this set. Yeah, I feel like some of these scenes required multiple reshoots. Oh, obviously. Especially, like, that last scene with uh, Aunt Keen, like, ice skating and stripping. Oh, that's hilarious. But I feel like at the end of the movie, it was, like, his way of rebelling, because their way of rebelling was fighting. But I feel like he's like, well, if I can't beat him, join him. And he's just like, well, I'm just going to start taking my clothes off. <laughs> and that was kind of what reunited him with his wife. Yeah. Not the stripping, per se, but just his elegant ice performance. Yes. And I think the whole issue with him, he was pretty stuck up the whole movie. And I feel that him doing that kind of showed his wife that he's not the stick in the mud that and horrible person that she thinks he is that he is just as fun as when they first met and I kind of look at the story of Reggie Dunlop and his wife as the parallel story is how if things don't get fixed how they how that story could end up 
and I just look at them as like opposite stories like this is what happens if, if it gets fixed and this is what happens if it doesn't and I think that's why Reg worked so hard to try to help uh, uh, Barden's wife Oh, yeah. when they kind of split up temporarily during the film. Mm-hmm. I think because he learned from his marriage. Exactly. Uh, and you're right, he, he was like a total stick in the mud. I mean, he was kind of a dick. Like, he yeah. wouldn't even take the bus all the way to the games with the team. Yeah, it it's... He was a stick in the mud for, for most of the movie, but... I think at the end, it was all about, like, you just gotta just go with the flow, and and you can't take everything seriously, and his wife didn't come without faults either. She was very, very stick-in-the-mud-ish, too. And she was just drinking the whole time, and she even has this one line where she talks about when she drinks, and she's like, it's only before games, and when he's not here, and, uh... I, I really appreciated that. One. Oh yeah. Uh, so we're gonna take a quick break. All right. And when we come back, we're gonna keep talking about Slapshot. I have a personal announcement, though. Uh, I'm placing a personal bounty on the head of Tim McCracken. He's the coach and chief punk on that Syracuse team. A, a bounty? Yeah. A hundred bucks of my own money for the first of my men that really nails that creep. Uh, that's 8 o'clock at the War Memorial, the uh, Syracuse, and the all-new Charleston Chiefs. Thanks, Rich. Uh, not to worry, kid. Hey, guys. We're back, and we're talking about the 1977 sports comedy Slapshot. So we've talked about, a lot about hockey movies. What are your top five favorite sports movies? Well, no, this is a very, very loaded question. I would have to say... Number five would probably be Goon. That is a great hockey movie. Number four would have to be Miracle, which was about the 1980 uh, men's Olympic ice hockey team. That was a really good one. That was a really good... It's a serious movie. Um, Three, I would have to say, would be... Let me think here for a second. Would probably be Major League. Hmm. You know, that's one I haven't seen yet. You've never seen Major League? Nope. Wow. Maybe maybe a future episode? Yes, maybe a future episode. Maybe another sports episode we watch Major League. Um, Two would be Slapshot, which is what we have based this whole episode around. And number one is not a very exciting pick, and a lot of people love this movie. Would probably have to be Rocky. Oh, that that's a straight up classic, right? right there. Exactly. Yeah, at least you didn't say what was it, Rocky Balboa? The the, the, the <laughs> yeah, the one that followed the entire series. Well, they had Rocky Balboa, and then they had Creed. That was but, kind of a spinoff. Yeah, though. I liked Creed better better than I liked um, Rocky Balboa. And I feel like they did something very similar with the Rambo films. It was like First Blood, and then Rambo First Blood Part 2, and then Rambo 3, and then just like John Rambo. They did this, the same thing with the Rocky franchise. So, 
uh, if I had to name my top five favorite sports movies, number five, Silver Linings Playbook. It doesn't really show a lot of sports, but there's a running theme about the Philadelphia. Isn't it the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles? I'm, I'm a diehard Eagles fan. I gotta throw that in there. Number four, it was this Disney film. I think it was one of those like made-for-TV movies called The Garbage-Picking, Field-Goal-Kicking Philadelphia Phenomenon. Again, going in there with the Eagles-centric film. Number three, Necessary Roughness. Probably because I apparently have a man crush on Scott Bakula. Nothing wrong with some Scott Bakula. Oh, no. Nothing wrong at all with Scott Bakula. Uh, number two, going in there with White Men Can't Jump. Oh, that's a that's a pick I didn't even think of. I think it's one of the best sport, uh, like basketball movies that I've ever seen. Uh, like the chemistry there uh, between Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes is just phenomenal. And then my number one pick, Space Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> I considered just listing Space Jam five times as my top five favorite sports <laughs> movies, but the top five. Space Jam, Space Jam, Space Jam, Space Jam, and, oh yeah, Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of a great movie. Uh, I remember I found that like in a bargain bin at Best Buy a while back, and it took me forever to check out, because the guy checking me out was like, oh man, we have this on DVD, and calls like all the other cashiers over, and one of them like went back to buy it while I was like waiting in line. <sighs> It's just like, let me check out, let me get my movie. I'm really skeptical, though, about the sequel, because it, it was confirmed, and LeBron James is going to be in it. Well, can I throw in a couple honorable mentions that didn't make the list that I also think are alright? Just a two. Oh, go for it. Um, I would have to say um, Hoosiers. Hmm. Love that movie. Hoosiers and Rudy. Rudy is one that I haven't seen. You've never seen Rudy? Wow. Wow, there's a lot of things I didn't know about you, Mo, but I did not expect that one. I mean, I know it's considered a classic, but it's not high up on my list. Uh, So, my honorable mentions... Angels in the Outfield. I think I wore out my VHS tape of that when I was a kid. Starring Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, I feel like anything with Christopher Lloyd is just pure gold. Right Isn't Danny there. Glover in that movie, too? Yeah, he is. <laughs> and he's he's someone else that I think is just a really underappreciated actor. Oh, he's yeah. He's been in a lot, but you don't tend to hear when there are discussions of acting greats, his name doesn't get thrown around a lot. Right. Uh, but I, I love Danny Glover. Um, that was one of my favorite uh, films, not just sports films, as a kid. Um, and, uh, of course, we're talking about the remake there, not the original. One of the few cases where I think the remake was better than the original. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think there was, like, some football-related one, but I can't remember what that was. And it wasn't as good. Like, Angels in the End Zone. <laughs> This has got to be like a Disney cash in. <laughs> I think it was. Fucking Disney coming in there with the spin offs. Yeah. I'm just trying to. 
Gilmore. But any other ones outfit. other than Angels in the Outfield? Uh, you know, Brian's Song. Movie I've never seen. What? Okay, so I think before the next episode, I need to watch Rudy and you need to watch Brian's Song. What? 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 What kind of movie is Brian's song? Uh, so it's about football, and it's really heartbreaking. And then, I, you know what? I'm actually surprised neither of us threw out The Longest Yard. Yeah. The, the original. The original. The Love remake was pretty bad. Speaking of Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I'm sure we could have done a top ten list with some of these amazing films, and... Our top fives have nothing to take away from any of these films. It's just movies that we hold closer to our hearts, basically. Basically, because we grew up on them, or they just strike a chord with with something with us. But these other movies are fantastic. So, if you have already seen some of the movies on our list, maybe check out Brian's Song, or Rudy, or Hoosiers. If you had to pick one of your top five... To recommend, what would you say to anybody? Everybody's seen Rocky, in my eyes. In my eyes, if you haven't seen Rocky, you've never seen a sports movie. But I would really have to say Miracle, because Miracle is a story that I think every sports fan should know. How a group of amateur ice hockey players won gold medal at the 1980 Olympics, and it was, and it's a true story. And how they beat the Russians during a time when we were in Cold War. So I thought that was a great movie, and I think everybody should at least give Miracle a watch. That's a really good one. I've I've actually gone back to that one a few times since I've seen it and enjoyed it the first time around and even more on subsequent viewings. If I had to pick one of my five to recommend, I feel like a lot of people have seen Space Jam. I feel like a lot of people have seen Silver Linings Playbook. I feel like a lot of people have seen White Men Can't Jump. I'd have to recommend Necessary Roughness. It's it's a little cheesy, admittedly, but it's got a really great cast. Sinbad is in it, and it's just super goofy and uh, kind of a heartwarming film. So let's go ahead and rate this bad boy. All right, go ahead, Mo. Your first viewing of Slapshot, what rating do you give this movie? You know, when when we sat down to watch this, I was predicting when it was time to rate this, I'd give it like a 2.5 or a 3. So it's like, I feel like I'll enjoy it, but it'll be more kind of middle of the road. And over the course of the film, I just enjoyed it way more than I expected that I would. I was, like, cracking up the entire time. It was also just very nuanced. And it strikes a good balance of comedic and dramatic elements. So, for that reason, uh, I'm going to have to give it a 4 out of 5. 4 out of 5. That is a very high rating. And as much as that is a high rating... I personally am going to give it a higher rating. I'm going to give it a 4.7 out of 5. That is a high rating. So why a 4.7? I feel that this movie is a little different with me because I grew up on it. 
and that kind of gives it that little over the edge type deal but on the other hand it doesn't strike with some people how a Rocky may hit somebody or a Rudy so I feel like 4.7 is an appropriate rating from me Uh, someone else may think it's a 5 someone else may think it's a 3 it's just my personal rating and uh well-deserving of a high rating. Uh, we're in agreement on that. So that is our show for tonight. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on Google Play and the iTunes Store. Uh, go ahead and give us a rating on the iTunes Store. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, you can f- follow me on Twitter at Mitchell C. Long, and you can check out my writing on film, tech, and music at cupofmo.com. And don't forget to go to our... The Celluloid Fiends Facebook page and give us a like and keep up to date with what we're doing, what we're watching, and when our podcasts are coming out. If there's something you want us to review, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, and don't do anything we wouldn't do. That leaves you a wide berth. All right. No, no, I can't prove it. You've got to believe me. Believe me. Take it off the air now, please. You've got to at least... Please excuse the interruption. We're having technical problems. Please stand by. It's time. It's time. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Dark masks, gather round your TV set, put on your masks, and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third commercial, it's still on, please. Take off the third channel, the third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please, stop it, stop it now, turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Stop it.